0: From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And the scripture is Luke 24, verses 45 through 47. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem.
1: Thank you, Rick. As you know, here at Calvary, we're going through the Apostles' Creed, taking one clause at a time. And so right now we're on, uh, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. You know I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church or Holy Christian Church or Holy Universal Church, uh, the communion of saints uh, that's what Pastor Herme uh, preached about last week when we were gone, and uh, the forgiveness of sins. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. In one of the most moving dialogues in all human literature, two brothers, Ivan and Alyosha Karamazov in Dostoevsky's great novel, are talking in a tavern about the insufferable evils of our world that people commit against each other, and especially to little children. And Ivan is this atheist, and with a demonic passion, he argues that there's no way in heaven or on earth for God and humans to live in harmony again. No way to bring God and man back together in this rotten world And Alyosha sits silent with his face in his hands. And he cannot conjure up a philosophical argument to answer his brilliant brother. But finally he lifts his head and he says, Ah, but there is one who can forgive everyone everything because he shed his innocent blood for everybody everywhere. And that, I do believe, is the heart of the matter. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. Think about forgiveness, you know, to be made clean, to be purified. You know, we all crave it. We all want it. We all need it because we're all sinners. Jesus said repentance, the passage that Rick just read, repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all the nations. And so as Christians, that's our mandate And that's our message. There is one who can forgive everybody, everything, because he shed his innocent blood for everybody, everywhere. And that, I do believe, is the heart of the matter. Remember old John the Baptist when Jesus was going to be baptized? He pointed his finger at Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. No fewer than seven different words are translated forgiveness in the Bible, three from the Old Testament, that'd be in the Hebrew, and then four in the New Testament, that would be in the Greek. And the most common of these words is "Ephesus." it means literally uh, sending away responsibility for sins, or letting people go from the accountability of sin, or no longer holding them accountable for their guilt. Um and their shame, and their sin, and that's the basic idea of forgiveness. You know, forgiving debts, you know, as we forgive our debtors, right? And the promise from the Old Testament in Jeremiah from the prophet is, I will forgive their wickedness, and I will remember their sins no more. You know, the sovereign God chooses to forget about our sins, and to make them white as snow, and he throws our sins into the depths of the sea to be remembered no more as far as the east is from the west so far as he removed our transgressions from us and he buries them in the river of his love. What a feeling. What a gospel. To be forgiven. To be clean. To be pure. Well it's one thing to say I believe in the forgiveness of sins and it's quite another thing to actually experience the forgiveness of sins. To be guilt free. To be Peace, have peace of mind, peace with God. Like we sing sometimes, my chains are gone. I've been set free, have you? Frankly, most people don't know what I'm talking about. In a nutshell, let me say this. I believe experiencing forgiveness of sin demands three requirements. In other words, in this quest for cleanness or in this uh, pursuit of purity, three requirements, first of all, Forgiveness or cleanness or purity requires recognizing. Hey, we need to recognize we're in a tight spot. You know, Romans 3, 23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are in a tight spot. Isaiah 53, verse six, we all like sheep have gone astray. Every one of us has turned to his own way. We need to recognize that. It was Bishop Archbishop Anselm the Archbishop of Canterbury, that said, you have not yet considered the heavy weight sin is. You know, that statement makes one think. It's a statement, I think, that speaks to our society today. We have not yet considered the heavy weight that sin is. Now, there's nothing wrong with, like, behavior modification. I worked with the pigeons in college. You know, you give them some food and you make them do whatever you want them to do. Uh, Positive, negative reinforcement to correct behavior. Or education. But our problem, the human condition, goes so much deeper than that. It's this thing that the Bible calls sin, And we need to recognize it. And we need to call it what it is. And it'll take more than behavior modification or education to deal with it. What was Anselm talking about when he said, you have not yet considered the heavy weight sin is? Now, I'm not talking about individual sins right now. So don't sit there nervously thinking, I wonder if he's gonna talk about mine. (laughs) That's not the point. I wanna go deeper than that. The book of Genesis tells us that we were created To have fellowship with God. That is to depend on God and to delight in God. But we really don't want that, do we? I mean, we don't mind visiting him on occasion, somewhat like a sick relative in a nursing home. But we're not too sure that we want to take God wherever we go. That we want to take him into our business. That we want to take him into the entertainment world, that we want to take Him into our relationships. We're not the, so sure we want God watching, you know, what we love to watch or reading what we love to read or doing what we love to do. We recognize that there's a time when we would like God very much to take a back seat. Why is that? See, there's something about us that, you know, while we were created to depend and to delight, we insist on, you know, straight-arming God on refusing, rejecting, rebelling against fellowship with God and his ownership of our lives. And we need to ask ourselves a serious question. What is it about us that makes us like that? Well, Anselm had the answer. It's the heavy weight of sin. A little boy and his mom were talking and the mother says, well, it's time to get ready to go to Sunday school. I'm not, he said, I'm not going. She said, oh, yes, you are. He said, no, I don't want to go. She said, I don't remember asking you if you want to go. You're going. Well, do I have to go? Why do I have to go to Sunday school? Well, to be, learn to be a good little boy. And here's where the little boy demonstrates tremendous insight into the human condition. Here is his answer. I already know how to be a better little boy than I want to be. <laughs> What is it about little boys that enables them to know how to be better little boys than they want to be? The same thing that enables big boys to know how to, how to be a whole lot better than they want to be. What is it? Well, Anselm held the answer. It's the heavy weight of sin. A couple of weeks ago, I was listening to an old sermon uh, that Billy Graham preached, and he made this statement. He said that he has never been at or heard about a world conference or a meeting that has discussed or dealt with the root problem. You know, we talk about war, we talk about murder, we talk about poverty, violence, environmental issues, pornography, abortion, but rarely, he said, rarely is there any discussion whatsoever of the root problem, that we are out of fellowship with God. We deal with all the fruits But we don't deal with the root. And Jesus is the only answer to the sin problem. Remember what the angel said to Joseph? Hey, you're going to call his name Jesus. Why? Because he's going to save his people from their sins. And again, John the Baptist pointed his finger at Jesus. There he is. He's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. You know, alcoholics, they must recognize the problem before they can receive any help. And so we too must recognize our situation of sin before we can receive help. Only sinners need a savior. Only sick people need a doctor. And Anselm was right. We have not yet considered the heavy weight that sin is. You remember the prodigal son? You know, Luke chapter 15, he took his inheritance and went off and blew it all on reckless living. And when he came to himself in the big pen... He decided he was going to go home. And on his way home, he rehearsed a little speech. And this was a speech to his father. I have sinned against heaven, and I have sinned against you, and I'm no longer worthy. People say it doesn't matter what I do as long as I don't hurt anybody. What if God has told you not to do it? I have sinned against heaven. Then the prodigal said, I have sinned against you. Listen, our sin does affect other people. The scriptures say very powerfully that the sins of the fathers are visited upon the third and fourth generations. Your sin does affect other people. Then the prodigal said, I'm I'm no longer worthy. And folks, this is the heavy weight that sin is. For sin is not only against heaven, and it's not only against another person, it's against myself, really, in the long run. The load of guilt, you know, the load of shame, it will not go away. So if we are to be interested at all in forgiveness, it starts with recognizing what a heavy weight that sin is. It's it's like realizing: hey, it's trash day, trash day. <laughs> Lots of garbage you need to get out to the street. Well, it's one thing to recognize that it's trash day, and it's quite another thing to get the trash out. And so forgiveness not only requires recognizing, it also requires repentance. And the guys on Friday morning, just this last Friday, we were talking about that. We were talking about repentance and what that means. And that is the mandate and the message that the Lord gave us. And it was this, that repentance and forgiveness must be preached to all the nations. So what is repentance? It means, you know, to do a 1-8. It means to turn around. And Job said this to God in Job chapter 42. You know, after the whirlwind and after all the bad things that happened to Job, here's what he says. My eyes have seen you, therefore I repent. My eyes have seen you, therefore I Repent. Now, there's a kind of repentance that's sorry for what I've done because it's hurting me, (laughs) or sorry for what I've done because I'm ashamed that I've been caught, or sorry for what I've done because now the consequences are just kind of being heaped upon me, but that's not really the repentance that we're talking about. The repentance we're talking about is the repentance that recognizes that we have sinned against heaven that we have a vision of God, and we have a vision of holiness, and we have a vision of righteousness, and we have a vision of truth, and we see ourselves as unworthy or almost shabby before him. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a what? A wretch. Let's not take that word out of the song because it sounds so bad. He saved a wretch like me. Isaiah had a vision that led to repentance. In Isaiah chapter 6, you probably have read this before. He saw the holiness of God. And he was utterly overwhelmed with his own sinfulness. He said, woe is me for I'm lost. And I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell amongst the people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen who? My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Remember in Luke chapter 5? Peter was fishing one day. And the Lord told him to cast on the other side of the boat and he caught a record catch. And Peter, that self-sufficient and skilled fisherman, did a remarkable thing. Instead of, of making sure the catch was on board, he fell at Jesus' feet. And he said in Luke chapter five, verse eight, depart from me for I am a sinful man. True repentance comes when I have a vision of the holiness of God and like the otherness of God and the goodness of God and the kindness of God and the graciousness of God and I see how I have trampled his grace under my foot and my heart just breaks. That's repentance. It's a broken heart and God's not going to despise that. A broken and a contrite heart he will not despise. That's what repentance is. Paul wrote in Romans chapter two that it's the kindness and it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. I would guess that if Archbishop Anselm were to come back to our society today, he would even say more forcefully, you have not considered the heavy weight that sin is. And as a result, there's this shallow repentance. And as a result, there's an inadequate understanding of of, of forgiveness and, and cleanness and purity. In Luke 18, the Lord tells us the story about these two guys going up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other was a publican. A publican is just another word for tax collector. And one of them is just absolutely full of himself. And uh, in fact, it says the Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. You know, he's supposed to be praying to God, but his vision is of himself. And this is what he says, God, I want to thank you that I'm not like all other men. I'm not like these robbers, these evildoers, these adulterers, or even like this tax collector over here. I fast twice a week, I give a tenth of all I get. In other words, God, aren't you lucky to have me on your team, you know? What would you have done without me, God? The tax collector standing nearby is beating on his breath, praying a simple prayer, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, a sinner. And Jesus kind of wrapped it all up by saying the first guy who goes in and prays about himself doesn't go away justified at all. And the little guy who goes in conscious of his sin, repentant and humbly asking to be forgiven, goes away forgiven. He goes away clean. He goes away pure. The first man was just full of his own self-importance and full of his own self-importance. He had no vision of his sin. And with no vision of his sin, he had no need for repentance and knew nothing about forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9 is right. If we confess, if we agree with God about our sin, if we confess our sins, he's faithful, he's just, he will forgive us our sins and he'll purify us from all unrighteousness. So forgiveness requires recognizing. Second, Forgiveness requires repentance. And last but not least, forgiveness requires receiving. Forgiveness requires receiving. A question that was asked critically of Jesus is this. Who can forgive sins but God only? The question is, will he? And the answer is yes. <laughs> He will out of grace, not because we're so good, not because of our good works, not because of our merit, but solely because of his grace. You know, he gives us what we don't deserve, right? He reaches out. He offers us forgiveness. But anybody who has a brain in his head knows that there's no such thing as a free lunch. You know, somebody's got to pay for that lunch, right? Oh, it might be totally free to you if you're the recipient, but somebody footed the bill. Grace is free, but Christ footed the bill. The principle of forgiveness, it is offered by the grace of God and it's provided by the cross of Christ. Sin is such a heavy weight that God decided the only way that it could be dealt with was that he in the person of his own son would bear our sins in his own body on the tree, on the cross, and purchase forgiveness for us. I believe in the forgiveness of sins offered by the grace of God, provided by the cross of Christ. Forgiveness must be received. The Bible says he came to his own. Who's his own? Oh, that's just the Jewish people, his own. No, 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 no. He created everybody, He came to his own, He got so loved the world. He came to his own, the people that he created. He came to all of us, but his own received him not, but to all who received him, we're talking about receiving. To them he gave to those who believe on His name, to them he gave the right to become, to become, to become, to become, to become children of God. We must receive. We must welcome him. We must open the door. Isn't that what Jesus said to the church at Laodicea? Behold, I stand at the door, knock, if anyone hears my voice, and opens the door. I will come in and sup with him, and he with me. Have you received Christ? Perhaps your life is too full of other things. We lived in Stickney, South Dakota, from 1984 to 1991 and uh, one time a little boy I think he broke a lot of bones in his body he was like in a body cast little Aaron and uh, I went to see him in the hospital and I brought him some M&Ms which I like to do for kids I always pretend like I'm the doctor and I say you got to take one of these pills at least once every hour and you'll get better you know, but that's not very nice I guess but anyway um, I, when I got there You know, he didn't seem that excited about getting my M&M's because he had a blanket in one hand. He had a toy under one arm. He had a fire engine under the other one. And he's holding on to this sticky caramel roll in the other hand. And he was just loaded with stuff. And I said, Aaron, you know, I've got some M&M's for you. And he said, huh, You know, it's like no big deal. You know, he couldn't take the M&M's. You know, his hands were We're so full. And that tragedy for so many people is this. God in grace, you know, he offers forgiveness. And Christ on the cross has purchased them forgiveness. But they can't receive it. Why? Because they're clutching on to their sticky caramel rolls. And they're hanging on to their little toys. And they're keeping to themselves their little security blankets. And these things are called sin. And maybe your hands are like that little boy. So full of the things of this world that you don't have time really for a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith today. Maybe you feel that heavy weight of sin. Maybe deep down inside you just crave to be guilt free. To be clean, to be pure, to experience real forgiveness. God is offering you forgiveness. And so today I challenge you to mentally let go of all the things that would keep you from receiving Christ. And I always say, you know, this altar is kind of set up for confirmation. But this altar area is kind of a sacred place. And I say, the altar is, is your friend, and it's open for you to come any Sunday, whether I have a call or not. And uh, Jesus said, "You come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. He will meet you here. You come." You say, "Dave, I don't want to make a show." <laughs> Why come up front where everybody can see me? Why not? Hey, Jesus hung naked on the cross for you in public. The least we can do is publicly come to him. And Jesus said, whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. Don't let this chance slip by. If this is your day, there is one who can forgive everybody, everything, because he shed his innocent blood for everybody, everywhere, and that, I do believe, is the heart of the matter. So you come today, you give your sin to Christ, and let Christ give you his righteousness. You shall call his name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. So, we can leave here forgiven and free. Amen? Forgiven and free. And if you need prayer, these wonderful folks here uh, would be willing to pray for you uh, any need that you have. So, God bless you. Have a great day.